Welcome to Effortless Swimming, the podcast for swimmers, triathletes, and coaches. Join Australian swim coach Brenton Ford as he reveals the latest techniques and information to improve your swimming. Let's dive right in. Hi, Brenton Ford here. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming podcast. Before we get into it, I just want to let you know that we are releasing gift vouchers or gift certificates for the freestyle clinics that we run here in Australia. So if you know someone who would love to improve their swimming and get a much better idea of what they need to do to get quicker, then you can purchase gift vouchers for Christmas uh, on our website. So you can go to effortlessswimming.com and go to the Freestyle Clinics page, and there's a link to the gift vouchers there. Now, onto the podcast. We've got Nam Baldwin, who's Director of Peak Performance at the Equalize Training Company. And I met Nam a couple of weeks ago at an event that he spoke at, and he's worked with a number of Olympic gold medalists and several world champions, including the surfer Mick Fanning. And at the event that he spoke at, he was telling the story about how he helped Mick Fanning overcome the, uh, I guess, the stress around the shark attack that he experienced at, at the J-Bay competition uh, last year. And then the following year, so in 2016, he went on to win that event. After all of this media frenzy and media hype around it, he managed to take that event, win it quite convincingly but more importantly, get himself in the headspace where he was able to shut out all of those pressures of the media and what everyone was expecting him to do there. And so that's what we start talking about here in the conversation. So here's Nam Baldwin, Director of Peak Performance at the Equalize Training Company. Um, we met a couple of weeks ago at a, a talk you did on the psychology of performance. And from, from that talk, I've made quite a few changes to my daily routine and the things that I'm doing. And I, I think it was probably one of the most impactful talks that I've I've been to, um, just from the oh, action, wow. the actionable steps that I've um, done after that, and just a really interesting take on uh, a lot of things that I think I was maybe doing to some degree, but um, probably not to the full extent of of what you taught. And and one of the the things that you brought up was whatever happens to you, use it. So the, the obstacle mm. is the way. And um, you mentioned Mick Fanning and um, how you worked with him to help him get through some quite tough times. Can you talk a little bit about um, how you've worked with Mick and, and those things that, that he went through? Because I don't think a lot of people would probably know the, the full extent of it. Yeah, I guess, you know, he he had a, a fairly tough year and he, you know, had an, a number of, things occurred that were out of his control um and that's probably a, a big part about what that statement you just said you know whatever happens use it where some things we, we can't control you know there's there's things that happen that um you know we can't do certain things about what occurs and that that's such a good way to think about things when it comes to challenges and what happened to him was you know those challenges, you, you can't control them. So obviously there's going to be a fairly powerful impact in relation to what happened and then to accept that so that there will be, you know, emotions that come with it and have an acceptance that that does happen, not to resist those emotions, to sit with them for a little bit and then also think about, well, now the fact that it's happened and you can't, you couldn't control it, that, well, how can we use it? You know, what, what can we do? What, how can we leverage off this challenge? Is there a way that we could look at life in a slightly different view and therefore enhance our life the way that we are because of that challenge? And, and with someone like Mick, he has that ability. He, he really looks at challenges as, 
ways in which he can, you know, potentially change the way he is or the way he does things so that he gets more out of life um, and not allow negative impacts to control or to consume him. So some of the things that he does is, is he goes to his surfing. He goes to things that he loves and, and gets the most out of those experiences on a consistent basis. So he's really applying himself to his values in a big way and then proactively seeking them out regularly so that he maintains you know, a nice, healthy, balanced state. Um, so that, that was a big part for him was just, okay, well, what do, what do you love to do? Love to surf. Let's, let's surf. Let's go back into the basics of what makes you tick. And as a surfer, as a surfer watching that event at J Bay, um, so two, two years ago when uh, the, the shark attack, all that stuff happened, and the media frenzy around it, and just him being hammered by those guys for you know, for mm. a long period of time, and then going back the next year and going to win the event, watching that <laughs> as someone who loves surfing and who loves sport, and you know, a really good story like that, it was just such a phenomenal thing to see, and. Uh, I think it, you know, it's really you see it a lot in the very top echelon of, of people in the sport. I, I think back to uh, Ian Thorpe when he uh, fell in the water off the blocks at the Olympic trials and didn't qualify for the uh, the 400 freestyle, but then was given the the uh, the spot to to swim even though he didn't um, qualify in the the way that mm. they would like him to, and just the amount of pressure that was on him to perform at that event, and to see the emotion on his face once he hit the wall in in first place so a very sort of similar thing to what mick went through and it's yeah you know just how do you how do you come back from um how do you center yourself when you've you've got that much pressure to to perform and that much hype around um your you yeah. know what you're doing i guess you go you fall back to process um and not base who you are off your results so following process and, and enjoying process but then having the right tools, the right recipes to get yourself in the in the right state, so that your performance can come through. Now that takes a lot of practice, obviously, to to master that. But that's something that he's he's worked on for a number of years. Is again, w- what is it that I can control here? Well, I can control how I feel. I can control my state. Um, I I'm here because I choose to be. So he's wanting to do it just to rewrite his own record of it, if you like. And he went into it in, in such a relaxed manner because he he wasn't really worried about the result. He was more wanting to enjoy the experience, to rewrite the experience. And if the result came, then that's wonderful. So a slightly different approach to say most in that regard is let's just focus on process. Let's focus on what we've worked on. Let's focus on getting in the right state. Um, he was actually, in my mind, looking the best he's ever surfed. And he was injured, which is amazing. Um, but it, but we, you know, we went through some some really good training prior to that that opened up his capacities a little more. Um, he he focused on again himself and and going through process rather than the result. So he was probably more relaxed. So therefore, he could perform better because being in a better state. Um, and he and he just enjoyed the process. And one of the things you covered in the talk was the, I guess, that process that he went through before the event. Well, this was uh, before the uh, the Pipe Masters a few years ago when he won the, the world title. And you, you talked us through each of those things that 
um, each each of those things in his routine or process before he went into the the heat and what they what they meant and the reason he was doing them and it was just a, mm. a really interesting way to break down the process because I mean I see it a lot in swimming especially you know, at the Olympics they've you know, Phelps has got his process before every race and, and each swimmer usually yeah. has this this routine that they go through and that's what helps keep them relaxed and calm before a bigger a big race or a, a big event and just the ability to to stay relaxed keep the heart rate down before that and mm. yeah and, and not let the moment overcome you is is what i see among all the all the top performers see it in mick saw it in saw a video of conor mcgregor before his uh, latest fight at the at madison square garden where all this pressure was on him to to perform he was he looked so relaxed and that's um yeah it, it that if you can you know, start to make that part of your uh, your routine before any race, especially with the, the triathletes or the, the swimmers that listen to this, it's much better than getting too hyped up and you know and spending all yeah. your energy before you actually start. Yeah, absolutely. And then you know and that's what training is all about. You want to train to a level where that's your go-to for when it comes to competition. If you've trained like it's competition and allowed yourself to discover what keeps you relaxed under pressure, have a greater self-awareness of the little bits that allow you to get to that point of what we call or what, what I call being centered. You, the more you practice, the more that it will come through, especially under pressure, if, if that's what you're applying yourself to in training. So that's, that's the, the importance of training with a good amount of self-awareness um, and then being very realistic about things too and it takes trial and error so you know Mick's been on on tour for almost 15 years um and that third world title was after 11 years so it's it takes time <laughs> to get get to that level but when you when you work consistently enough on a process that gives you you know greater results or or gives you the ability to perform at a higher level and then you you purely focus on just doing your best. You, you you should get what you're after in the end, providing you know things fall in line. But the most important thing is again going to controllables. What can you control, and what percentages are you working on that give you the ability to stay calmer under pressure? You know, have more energy for the event, not getting too wound up, not getting too nervous, and discovering those things. So just being a like a detective, if you like, and knowing exactly what works for you that's so important one of the uh the the companies you run or one of the things you train people on is breath enhancement training can you talk a little bit about how that how that can help people in day-to-day life or in sport and and the reason you you do that sort of training yeah it came about me and my partner um sort of brought the whole thing to life many years ago in relation to uh a, a group of big wave riders that go to Hawaii every year they wanted to to learn about being able to handle longer hold downs in in huge waves sort of 20 30 foot waves in Hawaii um and her background was sort of um human movement psychology mine was sort of physiology and psychology from athletics and martial arts and free diving I was an avid free diver and we came up with a program where we could literally train athletes or surfers at the time to to be able to withstand the pressures of a wipeout, which in, involves having to hold your breath, having to 
uh, hold your breath under a higher heart rate, um, and then how to quickly recover from such an experience just in case another wave comes down crashing on you. How can you reset from that for the, for the next impact? But then also when you're out the back waiting for waves, which in 20 to 30 foot surf, it's, it's nerve wracking. How can you regulate your breathing that will help regulate your nervous system and you know keep you steady in that fight or flight response so training them um was wonderful then we we got a call from pat rafter of all people to to train him as well and it and it really developed around working with him and a group that we worked with alongside pat that we discovered that this could be great for any athlete because you know when an athlete goes into higher heart rate um, a necessity for a lot of athletes out there, but also being able to stay calmer under those experiences. Um, and then also the recovery aspect, you know, how to reset quickly from intense activity or intense sets in training, etc., that can then allow you to adapt easier, adapt quicker to the challenges that you're put, putting yourself through for competition. And the breath is the foundation to you know, balancing a nervous system from a fight or flight response. If as soon as we get stressed, our breathing rate increases. If it's irregular and erratic, it can affect our heartbeat, which can then affect emotional centers of the brain. And you're going now into to a higher fight or flight response, which is potentially, you know, using up more energy, you're burning more oxygen, creating more CO2 in your body. So this program is, was developed further than for all athletes to help regulate their response to stress and high heart rate scenarios with good breathing methods that they can easily use without having to think much. Um, and then also the aspect of recovery, how to switch from you know fight or flight sympathetic response to parasympathetic response in a short space of time, but they're doing it through regulating their breathing and their attention. And um, it's developed really nicely over the last 12, 15 years where we can now give those methods to anyone <laughs> mm. because it's it's all around stress. And, and since the talk, I've, I've paid a lot more attention to this just in my day-to-day life. You know, part of it, uh, yeah, when I get, if I get frustrated or I'm just stressed from, from work, whatever it might be, I find myself quite shallow with my breaths and so I've now just started to just take those bigger longer slower breaths and just be a lot more conscious of it and you gave us a a bit of a method as to the optimal way to to breathe to to sort of take the uh uh, the the stress off the yeah the you know the lungs when you go to take a breath and I've paid a, a lot of attention to it now and and part of that's been in the morning routine that you gave us where uh, you know, it's a sort of five-step process and the first couple of minutes is oxygenate. So when I've been waking up in the morning, I've just been uh, making sure I've had big, long, uh, slow breaths for two or three minutes just to, yep. um, just to sort of fill myself up and then hydrate after that. And then um, a little three-minute workout to music which has been mm-hmm. good. And, and that's been, a, for me, I'm, I'm, I've been quite time poor lately with a, a little baby um, who you know, he's five months old and so I haven't been able to go for a swim or go for a run like I normally would but just that little three minute workout in the morning gets me going and gives me that fix that I I'm used to having in the morning yeah, when I you know, when you um, <laughs> want to start the day uh, because it, it was it was hard not to do that so that's that's been good and then 
um, appreciate, where just have reflect on what's good, and then after that, anticipate. So visualize. I've been visualizing the outcome for uh, the day, what I want to want to get through, and also where I'm sort of looking to go in the next couple of years. And that little five step routine, I've done it probably 90% of the mornings uh, since well our done. since our talk, and it's made a huge difference just to start off the right way. Yeah, and it, you know, it's it's just funneling basic physiological and psychological processes within you that ultimately puts you in a very good state. And, and that's, you know, as in, as with most things like competition, it's, it's finding that ideal performance state. So that morning ritual is, is a priming process to get you in the right state. And, and that comes through, you know, simple physiological factors and then some psychological factors. And if you can continue with it as a constant, you know, if, you, if you're consistent with it, you, it's a go-to where you, you really do set up your day quite nicely, as, as you've probably discovered. Yeah, it's made, it's made a huge difference. And I find if I start well, I continue well for the rest of the day. Of the day. You know, it can start to slip off towards the end. But if I let myself go from the start, it's hard to maintain or it's hard to sort of get back on track, whether it be with uh, exercise or eating throughout the day but if i can start my my day with the the right routine that you get that you gave us eat well and then get those sort of big rocks of work you know those main tasks that i need to get done get them done early and then the day just sort of it it keeps going on from there whereas before i was probably very few days where i'd actually be quite productive in the morning and and be eating well the whole way through so uh yeah routines made a, a big difference there and one of the other things you mentioned was to just sit with things and reflect and observe and sit back and you contemplate just the what you're doing, whether it be work or sport, mm-hmm. and just give yourself the time to actually process things and and form your thoughts about things yeah. as well. You know that um, I know for me I don't often, probably don't do it enough, but um, that was a huge help as well. Yeah, powerful because of you know we're in, living in an era where information is. <laughs> massive (laughs) and and we can get stuck on on different tangents uh that that you know isn't allowing the brain to process things effectively enough to have clearer thinking but if we do spend some time just to sit with things you know the the higher areas of the brain that allow good thinking decision making logic etc those areas of the brain a given time to come through in, in thought processes that can be then very proactive. If we get a little bit stuck on things and, and emotional about things, our higher levels of thinking tend to get drowned out and, and therefore we can't you know, follow through or make sense of things very well, which can be quite frustrating. Mm. And you also mentioned that uh, yeah, if you, we had these three days of intensive learning and, and teaching uh, when the, we had you there for the talk and you said it might be worth taking one or two days off just to allow those things to, to sink in and to be able to form your thoughts around all the stuff that, we, that we'd learnt. And I, f- I found that really useful because I, I also find that you know, I'm travelling a lot f- when we run these one freestyle clinics and it yeah. might be we might run four clinics in two days and there's travel involved, uh, flying there, flying back and after the two days, I'm quite mentally drained because it would high focus for, for six yeah. hours a day. And if I go straight back into to work on the Monday, I find it's, it, 
I, I find it hard to sort of get on, get back on track for that week. So just even to give myself half a day off after that, I can mm. then just sort of you know, recenter and and then just um, be a lot clearer on what I should be doing after that. And, and you travel a lot. And what's your sort of routine around that after you've had a couple of days of intense teaching? Yeah, uh, a very supportive girlfriend. <laughs> Incredibly good. So we we focus very much on nutrition around travel. So a lot of the time I will travel with my own nutrition and making sure that you know I have regular meals and healthy snacks whilst I'm away that we may have cooked and taken in a in a in an esky, um, a little portable esky. That that's a very important part. Um, and then when I get home, she, she's wonderful. She'll make sure that the apartment's incredibly clean and, and, you know, there's nothing for me to do so that I can go into what you just said, which is just a form of sort of recovery, relaxation, um, and allow myself to just to reset from the stresses of flying and, you know, being intently focused on, uh, what I am doing whilst I'm away. So, that's really important. And then activity, you know, we go for walks when I get home or we go and train where I can just clear out the chemistry as well of what I might have produced, which mean I might have excess adrenaline that I've obviously been pumping through my system to get into the intensity of what I'm trying to teach or do uh, and to just burn up the chemistry that might be there followed by good recovery again. So I'm kind of helping my whole system reset. Um, but a lot of it does come from leading up to the event, making sure that nutrition's ready to go. Uh, she's very supportive and, you know, like simple things like just driving me to the airport so I don't have to drive or if she's with me, driving me to the venues. Um, so that's really important. And then any form of meditation that I can do on the plane and things like that where I stay very calm until the pressure comes on. Mm. So just being aware of, what it is I'm going to be doing now that's going to take a lot of energy. So I need to just, you know, calm myself before I get there, not load myself with details of things, get very clear before I get there, what it is I'm going to do. And, and that seems to help enormously. Yeah. That's, um, that's something I, I tried last weekend was, uh, if I started my day really well on the Saturday, we had four clinics on the Saturday, Sunday, and so I went for a swim at the uh, the Bondi icebergs there, and then yeah. just went out for breakfast, uh, sat in the sun, and just relaxed as much as I could before the clinics. And I felt like they, you know, felt like they went really well, and I was had a sort of clear headspace to be able to get, you know, give a lot in the clinics. And yeah. um, one of the best sayings that I heard from uh, he's a coach is, is Bill Sweetnam, and my dad will he would always say it is coaching is. When you go to the pool, you're there. You're bouncing, bouncing off the walls. Lots of energy, and the the kids or the the group there just sort of dragging their feet. But then afterwards, you're the one who's kind of dragging your feet out. You're you've got not much left, but everyone else is bouncing off the walls, and they're really yeah, good point. Really jacked up, and um, yeah, that's that's how I like to sort of think of the coaching is you want to deliver as much as you can so that you've got nothing yeah. left at the end of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then to support yourself to get through that challenge afterwards. Mm. Nutrition, hydration, rest. What's that nutrition look like for you when you're, you're traveling? Yeah, we we, we eat organic, um, and it's um, you know lots of healthy veggies, um, so that the whole digestive system isn't overloaded, um, 
and you know nothing ideally packaged at all so it's just just really healthy balanced food whole foods mm. so that and and just not overloading it so that you know your digestive system isn't challenged because that obviously uses a lot of energy to do its job and if it's clean healthy food there's there's less waste there's less toxicity which is only putting more stress on your system so clean healthy gut clean healthy food and your your brain will operate at a far better level have you worked with people let's say in in business who were not eating ideally or the, the optimum sort of foods they should be and they've made the change and they they may have lost weight or they've able to able to focus better have you sort of worked with people in that capacity before yeah definitely yeah it's, it's a massive difference in fact, that's usually the first go-to for people is, you know, well, what are you feeding your engine? And, and when we look at that, there's always rooms for improvement. And I, and I find that the ones that don't look at that, their, their energy isn't sustainable. Therefore, their productivity isn't sustainable. And, and probably the most important thing nowadays, too, is their, is their mood becomes very irregular, which then really affects their performance because of the amount of information. So, yeah, it has a huge effect. What's your process to working with someone? If you were to go and see someone on a a one-to-one basis, how would you sort of analyze where they're at and then go about putting together a a program to help them make the changes they're looking to make? Yeah, first of all, we always send a questionnaire out and and just get a a fairly comprehensive um, review back, which obviously is the first step just to just to hear their side of the story and, and areas in which they want to improve upon and then from there make a, a detailed decision and, and then go through that with the client in relation to, to their needs, to their goals and then to answer your question probably even better is just to come back to the basics to start with and see what they are following and embed, make sure that's embedded. So, you know, good nutrition, good exercise, good recovery, um, a good process in which they follow and then see if we can refine that further and then keeping it very simple. So trying to get them back to simple basics with potentially, you know, improving things in that, in that way a little bit more than just the normal, but, but literally on the first session, just, just to get a clear picture of where they want to go, how they're doing it at the moment, and then bringing in the foundational work to make sure that that's there so that we can then put specific things into their routine that will really help them break through. Mm. We do we do something very similar with the, the freestyle clinics that we do where we'll, first of all, just have a quick chat with everyone and see what their background and experiences uh, experiences in swimming, whether they've been taught as a kid or if they've only been in it for two years. And then we'll do do some mobility testing to see what their movement's like. And, and often that's quite poor. So we sort of address that and give them a, a stretching routine to use before or after to training. And then we, yep. we'll do the video analysis where we, you know, we'll break down their stroke and, and then give them a, just two or three, at most, two or three key things to work on and focus on. And we give them the, the exercises around that because I find if they can make those if they can add those small little things into their, their daily routine or if it's really clear and simple what they need to focus on, that's when they start to make those changes. Whereas yeah. we used to give them 20 different drills and um, none of it would be specific to them. It was just a sort of 
um, mm. very shotgun approach. And while it, you know, it still still helped people, just we're not getting the results we um, were today. So it's, um, yeah, just getting that background and doing some assessment and then just keeping things as, as simple as possible. Because I know in my own life when as soon as I've been given too much information, that's when nothing nothing happens, nothing changes. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one to three things, like you said at the beginning, is 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 ample it's um in fact the, the lesser the better because then you can apply it 100 percent. i remember um learning kung fu many many years ago and my instructor gave used to give me one drill and go do this for 20 hours and then come back when you've done that and i'd <laughs> go and do it <laughs> and then a few days later i've done it okay now go and do this for 20 hours and it was it was so good just building a strong foundation for my performance. That that was, you know, not do these 10 things, do this once. (laughs) Mm. There's one thing, but do it for 20 hours. Make sure you can do it, master it, and then you can move on. Yeah. And that is very similar thing with swimming. The very first drill we often take people through is what we call a, a Superman kick, where you're basically just on your front, heads down, arms are out in front, and you're really just looking to keep the head, the hips, and the heels at the surface so to, to get the body position right, but more importantly to keep switched on through the, the core and the torso and to be long and firm through the body mm. uh, because yeah. just that, you know, that's the sort of starting point that we want to get to and, and often people won't be able to keep their feet up or their hips will start to drop or they can't hold the line through their body. They're sort of snaking around a little bit. So that yeah. that drill alone you know, if they can just work on that get the feel for what they should be doing in the water with with that one then you can progress and, and build from it but yeah very basic things often have the the best results oh, so powerful so powerful the other thing you you mentioned on the day was setting your most important tasks for the day and your most and your personal important tasks as well yep. and that's something that i've been been doing at night where uh, at night before i go to bed i'll put the my three most important tasks for for effortless swimming in in my phone and as a reminder and then my three most uh, important personal tasks where whether it's exercise or spending time with the family I, I put those in my phone as well as little things to check off and yep. that's been really useful to just sort of let that marinate overnight and I sort of get a clear idea of how that's going to to happen the next day so can you just talk a little bit about what the yeah. MITs and the PITs are yeah so, you know, the, the whole concept is that, again, what would tend to get in the way is overwhelm when it comes to, to doing things and doing things well is that there's too much to do and therefore you, you get distracted and then you get overwhelmed and then everything starts to crash around that. So the brain likes to chew up the hard things first because when you wake up and you go into work or do whatever you want to do, there's... X amount of megabytes, if you like, or energy that your body likes to sort of have and use. And in the morning or when it comes to doing any kind of mental tasks, you really want to make sure you've got the hardest ones first so that you can put the most amount of effort into there and use the resources that you have. Because as the day unfolds, as you're probably all aware, is that your mental resources start to drop off. And that's natural. It's just, you know, when it comes to nighttime, it's the brain literally wants to fall asleep to process information. So if you if you can get your most important tasks done first and one to three being ideal because we can only hold so much information in our brain, but if we've got complete clarity about those one to three most important tasks, it's 
creates a flow-on effect where if they are completed at the beginning of the day, you've, you've set the process, you've chunked it down into small bits of how you're going to complete those things, you're, you're going into a more of a flow state and then you're also going into high reward circuitry as well within your brain where your brain starts to enjoy the completion of those tasks that you've set, which then provides better chemistry mentally um, from a hormone, things like dopamine and noradrenaline, where you can really engage on the next things. Um, and it's, you know, it's so much about how the brain likes to operate. It likes to know what to do. It likes to have control, but it also likes to be aware of pleasure um, and re reward. So by setting things up the day before, and then when you go to do them, you complete them, you, you acknowledge that. You move on, but you also acknowledge the progress, which creates this this nice success cycle. Um, and it's it's also if you set your tasks the day before, you're you're allowing your brain to you know get what's in your head out of your head, so that when it comes to nighttime, when it comes to going to sleep and things like that, there's less you know sort of thinking about things because you've got it clear before you went into bed or before you've left work you know exactly what you've got to do so you can go into better sleep and you know better recovery because there's well I've, I've, i know what i'm going to do there's there's clarity mm. and then with from a works perspective that's wonderful but then also from a personal perspective to know you know what are the personal things that you would like to achieve in a day so that you have that nice balance going on um and you're right you know you 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 got to think about things like exercise, etc., that are, are personal, but they're so necessary for mental growth too, for stimulation, for getting yourself fitter, stronger, so that you can then have the energy to put into your visions, your goals, the things that you want to achieve. Mm. So just by just by having a process again, you, you've got something that gives you a greater sense of self-control, self-regulation, and control of what your world is panning out to be day in, day out. So you more more self-esteem, more self-confidence. It's it's a real win-win. <laughs> that that uh, checking things off and you know, the brain likes to complete things, I've found with how I've set it up on my phone, Just I think it's in the Reminders app on, on an iPhone where I've, I've got those tasks and every time I complete one, I sort of check the box that it's that it's done. And just that little process in itself, <laughs> I get that little, you know, that little kick that you might yeah. get from like a like a game on your phone that, you know, if you get a line in Tetris and it, it flashes up and it, and it goes, you, you get that same sort of stimulation yeah. from it. It's uh, it's such a small little thing, but it makes a difference. Like yesterday, I had a set that I wanted to do in the pool, and um, I just wrote, I think it was like. Um, like swim during the day, 40, 50s, and it was the set I wanted, I had in mind. And then it, it was a tough set, so I wasn't um, that inclined to, to go and do it because I was, was doing it by myself. But I went, I did it, and the thing I was most looking forward to was to ticking that off my list, which is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But it's um, but it, it worked. And, you know, if I can get through all those things in a day, um, yeah, I get that little sort of um, yeah. yeah mental kick from it, which is uh, – which has been good, and um, and just building on that every single day, I feel like I've got a lot more energy to you know to keep progressing and, and growing, and uh, mm -hmm. and that's what's helped keep me on track. So I just yeah, those little things, those simple little processes or routines that I've been able to add into my day have given me a, a lot more structure to to go yeah. about my day, which has uh, made a big difference. 
Yeah, that's wonderful. And it's all, you know, so much about progress, isn't it? When you start to feel progress, you you feel like you're growing, there's growth, and that's that's predominantly what we're after. Probably one little additive to just to be aware of too, like like I think I did mention when I was down talking to you was was so much about kind of also looking at what may get in the way. So preempting what may potentially be a challenge in the day, what may get in your way. If you if you think about that just for you know five minutes before you go into your day as well, you it has less of an impact if it does happen. You're ready for it. Yeah, and you gave you gave us those set of questions. And actually, when I was on the plane home from, uh, no, when I was I was flying, I think later that that day or the next day, and I I went through those questions that sort of made us look at what what can get in the way, and it was really interesting just to to actually thresh that out or thrash that out and mm. yeah and, and have a think through okay what things might pop up from stopping me getting this done and um, and how can I handle those distractions and you know, how can I say no to to more things and uh, yeah again the, I think the right the right questions can often find that the right answers and another thing you mentioned was having someone or having a group of people that you can just talk to to figure those own those things out in your own head because what i what i found find is if i'm talking to someone and i'm looking for the answer to a problem i might have just with yep. me talking to them it allows me to find the solution myself instead of someone saying well this is what you're doing wrong or whatever it might be yeah it's fascinating isn't it you just you you're, again you're going into that higher level of thinking um and you're activating areas of the brain that allow you to have insights to, you know, have those aha moments based on that little process. It's quite cool. Mm. Yeah, who's that for you? Who do you talk to? Yeah, my to? partner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd speak to, yeah, she's, she's wonderful at, at, um, and getting me to talk. You know, that's probably a, a big, one of my little challenges is I do help a lot of people and I, I kind of go into that mode a lot where sometimes I need assistance, but I, I don't then speak. I, I just go into um, internalizing things, and you know she's very good at getting me to talk about some of my challenges or some of the things that are coming up um, that I need to, to work through. And it's just just so good that she has that skill too, where she can you know she just come on, let's talk about it, and and you know incredibly insightful about because she obviously watches and sees what I, a lot of what I do. So she brings in that side that. And that trust as well, you know, I can, there's, there's such implicit trust and respect both ways that we have great conversations and discussions where some of my best teachings have come from our discussions. Mm. I, I find this, uh, sorry, I find the uh, same thing with my, uh, with my wife is she will 99% of the time be right about um, the things I'm, you know, the sort of questions I'm um yeah, if I'm wondering what to do, uh, mm. she'll often have the solution just because she's she knows me that well that mm. she she's got that outside perspective to be able to you know just cut through all the crap and um, and know what what I'm actually sort of what I should be doing and uh, yeah and it just helps to have that sort of outside person coaching me in in some ways where you know just always I'm always coaching with some so yes. used to that but then. Yeah, as a as a coach, you need to do those own thing, those things in your own life. But it's very hard to do when you're used to doing it twenty four seven for other people. Yeah, that's right. So it's those deeper conversations 
yeah, it's, that's that's really helps deep connection and, and good communication. Having those deeper conversations and um, having someone take that role, you know, that's that's yeah, very powerful. Mm. And what's what's next for you? What are you? Um, what's the next steps for the Equalize training company that you run? Yeah, we're, we're going to training. Yeah, we're we're going to um, develop an online series from a, for a, there's a few things, but one thing is, is a program that we, we both sort of developed a few years ago now called Epic, which is an emotional and physiological intelligence program for the community. Um, and which we have been running sort of two, three times a year for the local community to teach them about those aspects, emotions, their physiology and integrating them together. Um, from an intelligence perspective, and we're going to put that, build that as an online series, um, and then to continue working with elite teams and coaches. So we we've just this year worked with uh, Surfing Australia and 22 of Surfing's sort of high level coaches around the country, and taught them the the Epic program. So so teaching coaches more about their emotions, their physiology and, and processes that they can use themselves to better their coaching skills. Uh, and then continue to work with the breath enhancement training. We're, we're developing a, an instructor traineeship for that to, to start to build um, instructors around the country. Uh, that's another thing that we're aiming to do and, and to finish off um, and products around that. And then also still work in the sort of the leadership area of, of business and, and uh, business teams, helping them, similar approach still with the sort of the emotional physiological approach, but in, in sort of the higher levels of leadership, et cetera, that will hopefully just filter down through all the other people that work in a, in a business. Mm. And that, I mean, it sounds like you've got uh, a lot of, you know, a lot, a lot on your, your plate with all of that, but it all links in together. And yeah, yeah. And I find, you know, the same thing with, with effortless swimming is I love, I love the swimming side of things, but also like the, um, the, the psychology behind it, the, you know, getting, getting your, your life right before you go about trying to, whether it be race an Ironman, but just that, that well-rounded approach to, to living and, um, mm. and just continually looking to, to improve. And the, I mean, the feedback from, from the group who you spoke to a couple of weeks ago, who I was with, it was just um, was just phenomenal. So if if you're awesome. a, a business person or you're a, a coach or a sports person, I'd highly recommend um, going to one of your courses or you know getting you to, to come out because it was really beneficial and um, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me on the oh, podcast no and, and share all of these ideas. Yeah, no, thank you for for having me. It's yeah, it's wonderful. And where, where can people go to find out more about what you're doing? Yeah, you can um, jump on our website um, and and just go th- go through the channels um, www.equalize.com.au and um, flick us an email if you're interested in anything that that we do. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Fantastic. Well, Nam, thanks again, and uh, I'd love to get you back on the podcast uh, a couple of months down the track and maybe talk about some of the other things that you teach. Yeah, I'd love to. That'd be great, Brenton. Love to do it. And I, I think I'd love to go and to one of the breath enhancement training yeah. courses or even with the epic course it sounds that sounds like a really good one to to go through especially if it's targeted for coaches yeah absolutely yeah it's it's um it's, it had a great response from that it was um two uh three two day events so six days in total 
um, with with lots of activity integrated into the teachings because I think that's such an important part of learning is that you have have fun but also do activity that relates to what you're teaching so that people can you know feel things occur when they when they go through s- simple activities and yeah it's really good really fun are they run up on the Gold Coast we did we ran at the high performance center um, uh, at Casarina the surfing high performance center yep um, and and we're looking yeah to expand that it's, it's going to be great yeah fantastic well uh, I'll keep an eye out for that I'd love to do it and um, yeah thank you again you're so welcome thanks for joining us on the effortless swimming podcast to get transcriptions bonus videos and to be the first to hear about new episodes go to swimmingpodcast.com